the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we left off last week at verse 15. That's where we'll pick up today. And again, Paul is answering the questions sent to him by the Corinthian fellowship, and their questions having to do with Christian freedom. And you hear a lot of that being bandied about among different congregations about what it is to have liberty in Christ, what it is to have Christian freedom. But you know, there's an order to things. Most people want to know what that liberty is and what that freedom is in order that they might practice something or indulge something in the flesh. That's where the Corinthians were. Can we eat meat that's sacrificed to idols? Can we avoid the laws of this or that? Can we do this or that? And that's basically what it's all about. What does God make us do and what do we have to do? What does God command us to do, and what do we have to do? He answers their question concerning the meat sacrificed to idols, and he says, you know what, guys, you're right, you're free. You don't have to eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols, or you can eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols. It's really up to you. But let me just add this. Whatever you do, do it in love. You see... We don't live under the law of Moses anymore. We don't live under a law anymore. We are new covenant creations that literally live out of the life of Christ. And there is a law that the Bible uses and puts forward for the new covenant Christian. It's called the law of Christ. The law of Christ. You know what the law of Christ is? Well, it's a long, all-inclusive thing. No, it's love. It's the law of Christ. Well, what does that mean for us as new creations? That means that at the very core of what we've been created to be as Christians, the foundation upon which we literally exert every behavior is love. I mean, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's just full of what love is and what love is not. But the bottom line is that anything that we do and everything that we do should come from love. It should come out of love. And you know, as I've said before, love is not an emotion. It would be very hard to control that, wouldn't it? Love is not an emotion. Love is is not even a principle. 
Love is a person. First John tells us it is God himself. And everything that God does, everything that God expresses, he does so out of who he is, and he is love. And that is what he wants for his children, to live from, from that same principle, from that same truth, that we have his life, and that life is love, and all that we do, if we are going to honor God in it, if we are going to literally glorify God in it, we must do it from the foundation of love. Now, what does it mean to glorify God in what we do? Well, glorify is not a very complicated word. It just simply means credit. You're going to give God the credit. That's really, distill it down and that's what it means. Are you going to give God the credit? Well, how does God get the credit? Well, God gets the credit if God is the one who did it. What God does, God gets credit for. And since he's the origin of all things, he has a lot of credit, right? So here's the bottom line. If I want to give God the glory, the credit, then I have to be yielded to allow God to do it. Now, how do I do that? I approach everything with the context of the law of Christ, which means I do everything out of love. Again, not an emotion, not based on affinity. We all have people we can't stand, right? All right, be honest. I may be one of them. But we all have people we cannot stand. And if God says to you, you must love an enemy, how do you work your emotions into that? How in the world do you feel like loving an enemy? Does anybody in here feel like loving an enemy? I don't think so. Well, here's the reality of it. You are a new creation, created out of love, made to live from love. Love is who you are. Love is literally the foundation from which everything that you do should come. So when I say that I love an enemy, what I'm saying is the truth of me, the very core of me, the truth of who I am, loves everyone and even my enemy. Well, how can I say that? For God so what? Loved. He loves. There's not a single person on the face of the earth, no matter how corrupt and awful they may be, that I can say Christ didn't die for that man or woman. God does not love that man or woman. In every case, I can say, for God so loved. Therefore, I can say, I, as his child, love. Again, that's hard to wrap your little emotions around because inside there's something that says to you, no, no, your emotions are the truth. They're the judge and jury of you. Well, we know that's not real, right? Any of you been to a scary movie? Huh? Are you still shaking over it? Emotions aren't based in truth. So when we say that we live under the law of love, we live under the law of Christ, we live from that law. And Paul is teaching the Corinthians that that is how we are to live as Christians. But they had a little problem. The problem was that they were carnal. What does that mean, carnal? 
Carnal means that they're Christians that live just like lost people do. Oh, they may restrict themselves from this and restrict themselves from that. They may go to church on a regular basis. They may be on the front row with their hands raised. But they live according to the flesh. This stuff right here is what's most important to them. How do they indulge it? How do they dress it up? What everybody thinks of it? What they're going to do with it? How can they promote it? How can they educate it? Where can they take it? How can they put it before people? And everybody needs to accept it. That's flesh. Now, how is it that a Christian would live to the flesh? How is it that they would embrace that idea? Well, it's real simple. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They look in the mirror, they see this body, and they say, that's who I am. But you know what? They're ready to relinquish that identity when they, they come to death's door. When disease strikes, they're willing to relinquish it then. They're hoping for a higher purpose, a higher calling. Well, listen, we're going to talk about liberty and freedom in Christ. And liberty and freedom in Christ is recognizing who you are now. Not waiting until you're dying or until crisis surrounds you. It is literally living in that liberty now because the freedom and the liberty that God has given you is not flesh. That's right. You don't live to the Old Testament law. And you don't have any constraints on certain gray areas of Christian liberty. You can eat meat sacrificed to idols. You can do that. But that's not liberty. That's not true freedom. The Bible actually says that word, true freedom. What is true freedom? True freedom is, I don't need meat sacrificed idols. I don't need to, to exercise fleshly liberty. I don't need it. I don't have to have it. Why? How come? Because I don't live to my flesh any longer. I live to the truth of who I am. And you know what? It is liberty to me that I can step away from those things. I can literally deny those things. You know, before I had Christ, I didn't have the liberty to do that. I didn't have the liberty to say no. I went where my flesh compelled me to go. I took in what my flesh compelled me to take in. Indulgence was my greatest goal. But now that I'm a Christian, I find that that really doesn't suit me anymore. The reality of it is that I'm made differently now. And liberty for me is something totally different. You know, liberty for a fish and is different from liberty for a bird. A bird doesn't get all excited about swimming. And the fish isn't all excited about flying. We are different and there's a liberty that Christ has given us in his spirit that we need to begin to exercise. Because the more we exercise this liberty, the true liberty that we have in Christ, the more we recognize who we are. The clarity of what God has done, what Christ has done in us, becomes more and more real to us, to the point where Paul was literally looking for opportunity to sacrifice his fleshly freedom. Because it was a greater gain. It was a greater gain. I don't need those liberties anymore. Well, this is what he's trying to teach these Corinthian believers. The freedom to live in the truth. But the issue with the Corinthians was they were not excited about self-denial. They were not excited about surrendering 
So Paul illustrates it for them. He illustrates a higher calling of living in true freedom through self-denial. Let's look at our text, and we're going to begin in verse 15. Verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 15. But I have used none of these privileges, Paul speaking or writing, nor am I writing this to suggest that any such provision be made for me now. For it would be better for me to die than to have anyone deprive me of my boast in this matter of financial support. See, Paul had just spent a lot of ink proving that it was his right to receive support from the Corinthian fellowship while he ministered among them. He actually listed six reasons why he should be supported. He even proved that it was God's plan that a minister should be supported by the church. He mentioned that he had other rights too he had, that he could exercise, such as the right to take a wife, which he did not have. He reminds them that he set his rights aside in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 9, 12, he says, If others share in this rightful claim over you, do we not even more? However, we did not exercise this right. We put up with everything so that we will not hinder the spread of the good news of Christ. So that we will not hinder. Now, hinder is an interesting word. Actually, that word hinder in the Greek means to cut into. And what it describes is a defensive maneuver. Back in the day, if you had an invading army marching your way, you would go out to the roads and to the paths that they might come up from, and you would cut trenches in it. You would cut up the the smooth pathway so that when this army got to it, they could not readily or easily go across it with their armies and their war machines. They would literally create hindrances to keep these armies from progressing any faster than they did. And Paul says, "I, uh, I didn't exercise any of my rights in order not to create a hindrance. I did not demand anything of you, and I am not demanding support now. He doesn't want them to believe that he's manipulating them for some kind of gain. He says, I don't want to be robbed of my boast. What boast? Well, we always see boasting in a negative light. We associate it with fleshly pride, right? The guy with his thumbs in his armpits talking about what he did last and how great he is and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's appropriate in most cases. But this Greek word that they use there is actually also translated as rejoicing. That word is used 11 times in the New Testament and five times it's literally translated rejoicing. So what Paul is saying is, I have something that I rejoice in that I will not be deprived of. Well, what could that be? Let's look at the next verse. 16, for if I merely preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. For I am compelled that that is absolutely obligated to do it. Woe to me if I do not preach the good news of salvation. So Paul begins verse 16 by saying, look, I'm not talking about preaching. Preaching's not what I'm talking about. I have no boast there. I can't brag about that. 
It is simply a matter of obedience and it is completely the work of God. What do I have to boast in? I'm not going to boast in preaching. I was set apart to preach before birth. God chose me to preach. Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, But when God, who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, as the good news, the way of salvation. I did not immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding God's call and his revelation to me. So what God revealed to Paul is that, hey, you know what? Before you were even born, I set you apart for this. Now, I know every one of you think, well, that's Paul. And you know what? God saw his potential, right? And he said, ooh, now there's going to be a good preacher. So I'm just going to set him aside until I have a chance to bring him into it. Wrong. You know, every one of you, a child of God, has been set aside. Every one of you has a specific purpose. And here's the cool thing. You don't need to worry about what that is. It's God's job to bring you into it. It's not your job to figure it out. You only have one obligation as a child of God. You were made for it. You were built for it. You were going to be equipped in it. You are absolutely the very best person for whatever God, whatever purpose God has for you. And you know what? That's not a judgment made by circumstance or by men. It's a judgment made by God when he literally set you aside for his purpose, which was before you were even born. And you have only one obligation. Just follow the shepherd. Just follow your shepherd. You know, when I was in high school, occasionally they would come in and they'd say, okay, we're going to uh, take you on a, on a tour, but it, we're going to separate. The girls are going to go look at this, and the boys are going to go look at that. And I want you to follow me, the teacher would say. Well, there's this bunch of kids that were really good kids, the ones I didn't hang out with, and they were all up there around the teacher like chicks around a hen. They were all following real close behind the teacher. Well, I wasn't one of those. I was one of those who said, oh, I wonder where that hallway goes. <laughs> oh, I wonder where that door leads. And I would follow around here and move back and forth there and eventually end up in either lost or in trouble, though I never learned the lesson. But the, you know what the bottom line is? They put me back in line. They put me back in line. I missed some of the scenery, but I was put back in line. You know what? You may get lost. You may become disobedient. You may wander out of the plan of God in your mind. But he's the shepherd, and make no mistake about it. He's going to put you in line every time. He'll come get you. Why? Why would he come get you? You're his. You're his. Woe to me if I set aside God's purpose, Paul says. Woe to me if I set aside his calling. You know what? It's like a bird saying, woe to me if I don't fly. Well, it would be woe. You ever see a bird that, that is having trouble flying? He's in distress, isn't he? He's having a hard time. You were created for God's purpose. And woe to you. In other words, contrary to you, if you try to do something else with your life, it just, it's just not going to suit you. 
Now look, it's real simple. I use this illustration all the time. If I decide that I'm a monkey and I start climbing trees and living on on bananas and trying to sleep up in the trees and trying to do the things that a monkey does, who is going to suffer? Me. You know, the reality is I'm the one that suffers. Woe to you. Woe to you if you try to go against the purposes of God. And here's the thing. When Paul encountered Jesus on the Damascus road, what did he say to him? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goats? You know what a goat is? It's not goat like that, you know. A goat is actually a really sharp stick that they would use against the horse's hooves to keep him in line. And if you kick against it, guess who you hurt? You. Jesus said, why are you kicking against the goads, Paul? Recognize the truth. I've chosen you. Let's move to verse 17. He says, Paul says, for if I do this work of my own free will, then I have a reward. But if it is not of my will, but by God's choosing, I have been entrusted with a sacred stewardship. In other words, what Paul's saying is, I didn't choose this. I did not choose this. Paul says, I did not select this this preaching, this ministering. This is of God's choosing, and it is a sacred stewardship. Do you know what the word stewardship means? It is a sacred, consecrated stewardship. That, That is to be given charge or to care for the property of your master. And and. A master who had property and had slaves, he would come to one slave and he would entrust that slave with some part of his possession. And he would entrust it to the slave who would absolutely be the very best one to be the steward of that property. Some slaves were literally entrusted with the children. Some slaves were entrusted with the finances. And typically, the reason they were entrusted was because the master had confidence in them. Now, for us, it's different because God has literally created us for the purpose of which he's chosen us. And because he's created us for that purpose, he has absolutely confident, he's absolutely confident in his life and his purpose and his design in you. He has no confidence in your flesh. None. So you can write that off. I know a lot of people worry about disappointing God. I said this last week, you can't disappoint God. He's God. To disappoint him, he would have to expect something else out of you. But he knows you. From the foundations of the earth, he knows you. He's not disappointed in you. He knows exactly where you're going and what you're doing. He has chosen you from the foundation. So a steward is one that takes care of the property of the master. And that's what a pastor does as well. A pastor cares for and nurtures God's flock. Paul's making a a distinction between what he chose and what God chose for him. And Paul chose Jesus. And Paul chose obedience. And God chose the ministry. So Paul says, I don't boast in that. I can't boast in that. So, what are you boasting in? Look at verse 18. He says, What then is my reward? Just this, that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge to everyone. 
so as not to take advantage of my rights as a preacher, as an apostle in preaching the gospel. So what is it that Paul is rejoicing in? What is the boast that Paul would not be denied? His liberty to offer the gospel without charge. You see, Paul had a different perspective on liberty. Liberty for Paul was spiritual. It is for us too. And it was to serve the Lord. Now get this, this this is very strange to the modern Christian. It was to serve the Lord apart from the command. To serve the Lord apart from the command. Now, it is a liberty that is compelled by your spiritual nature. It is not bondage. It is not obedience per se, because God's not giving you a specific command. It's you literally living out of the way he created you to live. That's what it is. So from a context of having a heart, living under the law of love and having a heart to love. And here's the neat thing. We're created to love. And we're created to give. And we're created to sacrifice. And we're created to walk in truth. And we're created to be ministry to the people around us. All of these things are not things that God imposes on us. They're literally part of who we were created to be. So when I allow myself to live in the freedom of who I was created to be, then I am willing to sacrifice anything and everything that has to do with just this temporal flesh in order that that truth, that reality, that nature can come out. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.